0: We're going to go to the book of Psalms today, all right, the book of Psalms. We've been in this series, and I'll be honest with you, I told y'all two weeks ago we were going to start a series that's very difficult. I, I, I know that this might scare some of you because maybe you don't have an awareness of spiritual battles in your life, but ever since we started the series on scars, I, I, I feel like I've been in a spiritual assault Um, And I think it's because it is one of the most needed things in most Christians' life. It is the thing, I believe, that is keeping most believers from being bold with their testimony about Christ. And that is we have been taught for generation after generation to cover and hide instead of allowing God to heal and expose. And so I think we're in a season in our lives to when we got to understand that what you've been through is not the definition of you. It's not your identity. It's not your forever, but it is the platform from which God can make himself known to other people. And so, yes, you are not perfect. Look at somebody. Find somebody, right? This is your chance. If you're sitting by your husband, get him. Ready? Ready? Tell him, you are not perfect. Tell him, you're not. Hey, if you are sitting by somebody you're married to or your children, maybe you need to say this, we are not perfect, right? Right? Okay, I didn't hear near as many of you say that. All right, y'all love telling everybody else, you're not perfect, but let's not talk about me. We're not, we're not. And I don't know why it is that we have believed in religion far too much to believe that we're supposed to walk into a building and somehow in that building, we are to act as if we've never had an issue. The truth is we are all messed up and that is why we're here. All right, we all need a savior. We all need love. I I was telling my small group, which by the way, you need one of those too. I was telling them on Monday, the two things God taught me, a, a, a verse that he used greatly in my life three years ago in the season of wilderness, if you would, to where, how many of you have heard it? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to him and he'll direct your path. How many of you have heard that verse? All right, maybe in some shape, form or fashion. And so I used to believe, maybe you too, that if I just make God, you know, like, I love you, God. I want to grow in you, God. I want to be a good believer. That God would start making things in my life work out. How many of you have heard it or maybe thought that way? Delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And you know why most people stop praying? It's because they believe they're doing everything they can. They're giving everything they can. And, and, and yet God's not doing anything to give him back. And the truth is, it's not that God's not doing anything to giving back. It's just that your desires may not match his desires and God is going to keep you where you are until your heart shifts to his desires for your life. But I found this to be true. There are two things that every person on the face of the planet has desired at some point in their life. Ready, number one, love and acceptance. Right, how many of you just want to be loved? Come on now, raise your hand. Man, where are you at? Come on. How many, of you, how many of you just want to be loved? We don't want to admit that. Who's like, I want to be a hero. You know what you're saying is, I want somebody to love me. All right, I want somebody to accept me All of me, not just the good parts, not just when the teeth are brushed and the breath is good. Hey, I want somebody to accept me when the boogers are in the eyes and the the breath is nasty. right, I want somebody to believe in me when I'm living for the Lord. But even Job, we find this passage where he has said that a man should have the loyalty of his friends even if he has forsaken the Almighty. I want the person that's gonna stand with me when I am messed up. That's love, acceptance. You know what church should be? A place of total acceptance. You're saying, well, I don't, I don't agree with what they're doing. Here, here's, the, here's the issue. Their sin was not the only one on the cross. Yours was too. And the truth is this. We, we, we should talk about sin. And people keep throwing it. What about the Ten Commandments? How often We talked about adultery so much in the past two weeks. If you haven't heard a Ten Commandment, you have not been paying attention. All right, the truth is this. We've talked about sexual sins. We've talked about addictions. We put those out there. You know what? All Hey, can I put this? Any addiction in your life breaks the commandment of making God the only God. Are you with me? All right, when you're sitting in church and you're acting like you're perfect, you're lying. When you're tearing down other people, you're a thief. You're you're stealing what the possibilities of God are in that person. You're taking away the purpose. Understand this. We, we live it and sin is sin, but God is greater than your sin. You need to hear that today. The cross is more powerful than any sin you could ever commit. Hey, Satan, hey, may have a hold on you or you may have a hold of him, but there is a resurrecting spirit that lives in you. And you say, well, I'm not a believer. You might be sitting next to the resurrection spirit that might slap you in the face today. It's living in the believer that came beside you. I tell people all the time, we might not be able to change your mind, but we're going to pray to a God who can rock your world. And God doesn't rock your world to break it down. Hey, he went to a prison where Paul was, and he didn't shake the place so that they could be deeper in the dungeon. He shook it so that they could go free. He loosed those doors. He opened those things. And I'll tell you what, if there's acceptance, it means this. I don't accept the behavior. Write this down. I don't accept bad behavior. But I accept the person that bad behavior is found in, knowing that at the cross all are accepted and once accepted there have the chance of leaving the bad behavior behind. I'm telling you this right now. Stop trying to correct people's bad behavior and bring them to Jesus and teach them Jesus and walk with Jesus. And watch Jesus do a work in your husband, your wife, your kids that you can't do. Watch him do a a, a reviving episode of their life that you couldn't script. I look at this and I realize that today we're living in a church generation that, that we, if somebody comes out with a sin, we, we make up all the reasons why God can't use them. And yet God chose 12 sinners to be the disciples, right? 12 bad men became the disciples. You say, well, they, they were all good because you know the good version, but God knows the tax collector that was robbing his people blind. He knows the person with anger, the cheater. He knows the person that, that, that was really a liar. He knows the deceit. He knows the greed. He knew them all, but he called them anyway. I love this, and I want you to get this in your notes. God is not waiting on you to know who he is to come and tell you that he already knows you. God is not waiting for you to figure out everything you need to be to be the perfect Sunday morning Christian. God is coming to you, and though you are dead in your trespasses, that's when God is showing up. And so we live in a generation that says, "Act perfect, look perfect, be perfect, and we'll give you position." And God says, "You've already got position in heaven. You've already got. Hey, you had such position that God put you on His Son, who now sits on His right hand and says He will raise you up higher than the angels to rule and reign with Him. Your position is not in who you are. Your position is in who." God God is trying to transform you into through his own son and through his Holy Spirit. And so God doesn't look and say, get here. God looks and says, I'm coming. And so I'll tell you this right now, whether you want it or not, God is in full pursuit of you trying to fulfill that desire of acceptance and love. You know what I found? The other desire that everybody has is significance. We want to matter. We want to do something with our lives. Am I right? Like, how many of you can go back to when you were younger and, and anybody in here, were you going to be like a famous singer? Who was that? You didn't have YouTube. That's the only reason you didn't make it, right? Truth. If you had, if you had what Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber had, you'd be famous. Nobody. All right. So here it is. How many of you thought doctor, nurse, astronaut, come on now, who played? Who had imagination? Please tell me at some point of your life, you've dreamed you could be something. All right? How many of you dreamed you're gonna own your own business? How many of you had your wedding planned by the time you were 12? Right? No man raised his hand. <laughs> Not one. And that is true. No man was sitting there with his Care Bears. Oh, no man had a Care Bears except for me. <laughs> what did you have? Giacos. I totally ruined that. Give me your pink shirt, DJ. Let's trade shirts. All right, I, I did. I, listen, I set my Care Bears up, and, and, and at five years old, I was teaching my Care Bears. Biggest, biggest injury I had in my life in my childhood was because of Care Bears. My, my brothers told me that I could float off the cloud on a pillow and, 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 and be like the Care Bear coming down the rainbow. How many of y'all remember these, right? So I jumped and bit my tongue in half, right? And so, you know what I say is God called me to teach my Care Bears my brothers were at the devil and they tried to take my tongue, right? So that's the thing. All right, now here's the thing. I want you to understand this. In our lives, if we're not careful, we'll seek the significance of the world, which will never fulfill us. Like I just, I want to, I want to be accepted by somebody, but I want to matter. I want, I want, I want to do something for the world. And so we will work our tails off to never be noticed. Now I don't want you to raise your hand because maybe your boss is in the room, but anybody ever worked hard to see somebody else get the promotion you deserved? Anybody ever poured into their children only to see their children take somebody else as their mentor other than you? And you put in all the work and you see somebody else, hey, I'm telling you this, please write it down. The world can never give you the significance that God has in your purpose that he designed for you. And if you'll delight in the Lord, you know what he offers? Acceptance and love and significance. He's gonna use you. Write this down. Don't ever forget this the greatest impact you could ever have is bringing another person to Jesus. The greatest impact you could ever have is securing someone to the Savior so that they can accept and have salvation for eternity. What else can you do that's as eternal as seeing someone rescued because of your testimony? So we're kicking off a season in February, the month of love, and some of you hate this month, so we're gonna make it a good thing. The month of love, and we're we're saying, what greater love can you have? The Bible even says it this way: greater love has no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for what? His friends. And at Grace, we're determined, come March and April, to knock on every door or do some act of kindness towards every door that lives on McGuire Road. You say, I don't live here. The Bible says that we're to reach our Jerusalem, and for nine years, we've been in this building and never met the people that live on our street. Some of you do, and we've met you over the years. But the truth is, we're not talking about just going and knocking on a door and saying, you need to get saved. We're talking about knocking on a door and saying, hey, can I just pray with you? Or is there something, can I do your yard work? Or, you know, can we weed your flower bed? And if you want to be that person, I don't want to go with you. But if that's the thing that we do to show you that you're loved, write it down. And here's the thing. The church has it messed up. We believe we preach and they believe. The truth is we care and they believe. Jesus always cared before he shared. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he fed them, he did things, he showed he loved them and their ears were open. Who is a man that can talk to the water? Who is this man that can cast out demons? Who is this man that raised the dead? Who is this man that heals the sick? Who is he? We wanna hear what he has to say. You know why the church is powerless today? Is because we believe people need to hear us, they actually need to see us. They actually need to experience the love of God through us. Why do you think we start a service with turn around and greet somebody? And some people say, we don't need that. People get too loud and it takes away from worship. Part of worship is caring about the people that God cares about. Loving the people that God loves. So turn around and hug somebody. You may be rich in love, meaning that somebody has told you they love you so much that when somebody else says it, it's not as powerful. You've been showered with hugs so much that you just hug everybody and never think anything significant about the hug. But there are people in this room that never hear the words, I love you, and never get the physical touch of affirmation from anybody. And when you shake a hand, you smile. When your eyes and ears validate their existence, when you wrap your arms around them, they feel significant. And the truth is this, there should be an acceptance and significance found when anybody walks into the presence of God's people. There should be a, I I am so glad you're here. You mean so much to me. I say this to people all the time. You don't know me yet, but I already love you. You know why? Because God's put a desire in our hearts to see you grow. He's put a desire in our hearts to see your families rescued. We lose sleep over you. We talk about you at our meals. We we think about you in our prayers. When Paul said, hey, I'm constantly praying for you. I totally get that because there's sometimes in my life that you've become so significant in my life that if I'm not careful, I try to become your savior. And I have to remind myself again, I'm not Jesus. And I shouldn't be leading you to the pews of our church. I shouldn't be leading you to a small group should be leading you to the best relationship you'll ever have in your life with a person that will never leave you or forsake you, never judge you or condemn you, but will shower you with love and grace and mercy every step of the way. You don't need me. You need Jesus. But sometimes Jesus chooses to use us as the vessel of his introduction. Today, we're going to talk about these seasons that we're about to go into as a church Here they are. I'm going to give you all three. Write it down. We're going to talk about this, God willing, over the next three weeks. And then Pastor Chris is going to bring it home in a special way. Ready? Here it is. Ready? Number one, the grow season. The grow season. Now, that's what we're talking about today. I'll promise you this. That is the worst season you'll experience in your life. All right? Number two, the go season. Everybody gets excited about that one. And then number three, the sow season. We're, we're really tackling these three things, and, 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 and all honestly, we are not a church if we don't do certain things. You ready? You're not a church just because you have a service on a Sunday morning. You're not a church just because you live stream on the internet. You're not a church because you have a food pantry and all those other things. You're a church when you do what God says the church should do, and a church should care for lost people, should take care of widows, should care for orphans, and take care of the poor. Are you got me? You're a church when you actually do something. You're not a church just because you have something. All right? We We can be the nicest, fullest building, and there's a lot of you here today, but it doesn't make us a church. If we are not caring about the condition of the hearts and lives of the people around us, we are not like Jesus. The only reason he came was for your heart and my heart, for your condition and my condition. And so God sent his son for me. Will you say that with me? For me. Now look at somebody and tell them for you too. God so loved the world, not the Baptist, not the Methodist, not the non-denominational, not the atheist, not the Catholic, not the Buddhist, not the Hindu, not not the Muslim. God loved everybody. Get that through your head. God loves everybody. Say it with me. God loves everybody everybody. So stop ruling people out. Stop telling people that they are this and they are that. The truth is they are loved and accepted by an almighty God and they matter to him. Yesterday, um, my family, we all went different ways. I had to go work and show some houses. My my wife was going to go today. My son turns one um, Grayson's birthday's today. And Um, so we, we're, we're going to celebrate that in just a little bit. And, and, uh, then my cousins, my wife's cousins are in town and our daughter's sick and going through some things, so we can't expose y'all to it. But, um, so they decided they were going to go different directions. Well, all of a sudden Harlow, who I love dearly and trust with my life and is probably listening to this. So shout out. And the thing is, is, uh, he said he was going to put my daughter in his car and my wife's car was going to go one direction. My car was going to go the other direction and his car was going to go a different direction with my daughter. And as much as I love him, he doesn't hold a candle to how I love her. Are you with me? And so unbeknownst to him until this moment, I go to my wife and I'm like, are you serious? Like our daughter's going to ride with somebody else? She's like, yeah, I'm as nervous as you, but we got to let him grow. I don't like that. I mean, I, I want her to grow to this tall and stay there right? I want her to grow to daddy's a hero and stay there. But is that healthy for her? No. And in order for her to grow, sometimes I have to let go. And I'm going to tell you this. I want you to understand this. God does the same thing with me and you. You know that God is in control of everything. He's all powerful. You agree? Say amen. Amen. Do you, know, do you believe that God knows everything? The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding evil and good. Proverbs 15:3 is true. Say amen. amen. But the truth is, is God is a father. That's his number one job, is a father. He cares more about being a father than he does care about controlling the universe. Matter of fact, he holds the universe together for his children. He said he loves you more than the angels and sets you higher than any beast and animal that's on this place. God madly loves us today. But the truth is that God, knowing that we need to grow, will allow us to grow in ways that we shouldn't. To go places that we shouldn't. And do things that we shouldn't. One of the number one questions I get in in ministry, especially from our teenagers who are are getting very smart, very young. They'll come up to me and they'll ask and they'll say, and it's probably because they're exposed to so many things. They come up to me and they ask, why would God let this happen to me? And that story, by the way, used to, a teenager would tell me that 10 years ago when I was in youth ministry, why would God let this happen to me? And they're just mad because they're grounded. Now those stories are coming because they're being raped. And, and, and it's true. It sits in our place. They've been raped. They've been molested. They've been, been misused and abused. And, 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 and some have even been trafficked. And let's be honest, it, it, you say, that can never happen. It's happening. And there's, there's people in your eye distance today that are going through that. And if we're not careful and we're naive, we're like, kumbaya, this place is perfect. No, it's not. We have people that are meeting us and saying, how could God love me? And this happened. I'm going to give you an answer. And I've said this before, but we've grown a whole new church since then. Ready? Here we go. Ready? If God were to remove all the evil from the world, he'd have to wipe out everything capable of producing it. And that would be every human being alive. Would have to go. Do you think God inspire somebody to rape another person? No. Please write this in your note. Most of what happens in our world today is not what God wants to happen. We live in a world of evil, but a lot of times evil will do its work and we'll blame God and give him the credit. But somehow when God does something good, we take the glory. And yet we look at it and we say, how can bad things happen? Here it is, because God loves you. Evil's in the world today. And here's the good news, because God's love is still in the world today. And the moment that God says, I'm done, and I'm not loving it anymore, we'll read Revelations, it burns up. This thing goes to poop very fast. It's gone. Am I right? You're in a Revelation class. Am I right, Garrett? God will destroy this earth. Amen? Hey, what you see will be done. When God removes his love, the world can't stay together. Follow this. You're living in a day where God's love is abundant. All these things are running rampant and all these things are scary and all these things are out there. And we're looking and we're saying, how could God, how could God, how could God? The truth is, if God judged sin today, we would not survive it. That's why he poured out his judgment on his son on the cross. And that's why one day he'll take us home. Hey, are you understanding this today? Stop looking in your life and saying, well, all these bad things are happening to me. Where is God? God's the reason you have not died because of the bad things happening to you. The same person who had the blood clots two weeks ago and is a miracle today got rear-ended and is still sitting in church again today. All right? And so I I, I keep picking on Kimberly, but last night I was sitting there and I was thinking, what is God trying to do through your life? I mean, how many times has he got to spare it? Right? Right? He's making a testimony and a statement of protection. You say, well, I have been through hell. Well, why don't you take the hand of a savior and walk out? And why don't you let him heal you? And Why don't you let him grow you? And why don't you let him nurture you? You say, well, I, you have no idea what I went through as a kid. Truth is, you don't know what I went through as a kid. But I'm telling you now, what I've been through does not have to be what i become. What I've had happen to me and what I've done does not have to be what I do. I'm a product of a past, but not a prisoner of it. And the truth is today that God is wanting to grow each and every one of us. And before we can go and tell the world about Jesus, we've got to grow ourselves. So I wrote these things down and I want you to get them. A grow season is a very number one important season. It's the most important season of your life. Ready? Without a grow season, there's no harvest season. Agree? You can't, you can't, if you didn't plant a garden, don't go out in the fall expecting vegetables. I don't don't even think they wait till the fall. Am I right? Maybe midsummer. I mean, it'd be, how dumb would it be to walk out to your backyard and be like, where's the pumpkins? Where's the corn that you never planted? And hey, here's the good news. Whether you wanted God to or not, he has planted his seeds in you. He has put his love in front of you. You've heard the gospel. You've heard that you could be saved. For by grace, we are saved through your faith, not your works, because it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, right? Your faith in Jesus Christ is what rescues your soul. That seeds planted. Whether you want to accept it or not, at times of your life, God's going to remind you, of you need salvation. Some of you, I I remember, and I've shared about some of the teens that when they first came to church, they could not believe in love. They actually rejected it. One of our foster kids asked to be moved out of their foster home because they were too lovey. And now it's one of the most loving kids you'll be around. You you know why? Because, whoa, this is a grow season and God's planting seeds and it took years for that thing to grow. It's an important season. You need things to grow in your life. But how many of you have realized that grow seasons are slow seasons? Yeah, I don't like that. Do you? Who in here has mastered patience? That's why all of you want me to be done in 20 minutes. <laughs> right? I, I have not. I don't like traffic. I don't like waiting. I don't like going to concerts that I don't have an assigned seat. Winter Jam gives me anxiety. It's awesome, but they open that door and it's a stampede. Last time I went to Winter Jam, I got cussed out trying to get a seat makes real good sense going to a Christian concert and getting cussed out. Now that doesn't, it's a great concert. Don't get me wrong. My thing is, is um, if I'm supposed to be there at one, I like to get there at 1215. My wife hates it. Um, I like to be 30 to 45 minutes early. God gave me Jordan to teach me patience. How many of you else are really like, hey, we got to leave in five minutes, 10 minutes. How many, guys, listen to me. Here's, you know what God taught me? Are you the one that that makes him wait or does he make you wait? So he takes a while to get pretty. You're just ready to go, right? All right. Here's the truth. I stopped getting ready until she's 10 minutes away. If we're going somewhere together, I'll go to my wife and I'll just simply be like, let me have a 10 minute shot clock of when you're going to be done. Otherwise I'm sitting there and I'm saying, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And she's like, the reservation's not for another hour. It doesn't matter. We got to go. There may be traffic. How many of you have to leave early because there might be something? All right, some of you are smiling, but you don't want to be honest. How many of you, you get great anxiety because of the what-ifs in life? Yeah, patience is not something I've mastered. So God gave me Jordan. Jordan just, every time she gets ready, she likes to have a concert. It's a beautiful thing. It's awesome, and I love it, and it gives a beautiful product at the end. But in the middle... I need to call my therapist and I need to talk to somebody else because I am not good at patience. Who can say me too? All right. That's why most people do not wait while God grows them. It's an important season. It's a slow season. Here it is, number two. It's a difficult season. There has to be change in your life. Growth equals change. Change takes time. Change requires us to lay old things down and pick new things up. Change requires us to be vulnerable, and I don't know about you, but how many of you can just sum up change in one word? It hurts. It's painful. Number three, it's a developmental season. In a growth season, God's going to change the way you think, Romans 12, 1 and 2. He's going to change the way you process the world around you. He's going to change your habits, and how many of you have found this to be true? Bad habits are easy to form and hard to live with. Good habits are are hard to form, but easy to live with. How many of you have learned that it takes longer to build a good habit than a bad habit? Right? Y'all are are terrible people today. All right, here we go. We're being formed. We're being transformed. You can pick up a drug habit a lot faster than you can lay one down. You can pick up a cuss word a lot faster than you can get it out of your vocabulary. How about bitterness and hate? I can pick up anger like that. And it takes me a long time to get over it. That's why we need growth seasons. And in those growth seasons, God does this. Look at what David wrote in chapter number 40 of Psalm. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, verse one, to help me. Now there it is. I want you to understand this. If if you're going to wait patiently for the Lord to help you, that means you're going to have to Let go of control. the next thing he said is, hey, I asked him to help me. Write this down. Rarely do things grow healthily on their own. One of the arguments that the teenagers brought to me when we had our discussion on abortion, and yes, we talk about hard things. And in there they said, well, a, a fetus cannot sustain itself on its own. Pastor Chris gave me this very good analogy. My one-year-old, if I set him in a field and walked away, could not sustain himself on his own. Agree or disagree? So the logic of because it can't sustain itself, that's why we have a right to take the life, is not legitimate because my three-year-old could not survive in life on her own. My nine-year-old could not survive in life on his own. How many of you got 13-year-olds that think they can but they can't yet survive life on their own. Come on now, get with me. How many of you understand this? Hey, uh, how many of you have a husband, don't raise your hand, that cannot sustain, he couldn't cook. I'm that guy, all right? If it's not microwavable, it can't be eaten, all right? The thing is, is we're not able to grow alone. I mean, babies have to be held and, and, and nurtured, and the Bible says that when you come into the family of God, you're like a baby. The church needs to be patient with those who just started believing and stop trying to get them to where you've gotten in 25 years. All right, the truth is this I can't throw what I believe down your throat, but I can take you by the hand and lead you and teach you as you go, as you grow. And David said, I waited patiently and asked for God to help me. So, write this down. <coughs> This season of growth requires, number one, patience. Number two, the willingness to ask for help. And number three, a trust in God. I've got to be patient. I've got to be willing to realize I can't do this on my own. And I've got to trust the work that God is doing. He that started the work will what? Finish it. Say it again. He that started will finish it. If Jesus spent 33 and a half years getting to it is finished, then it might take some time for you to get past and over the season that you're in. But promise, God loves to put the finished stamp on your life. And God will keep doing what he needs to do to get you to where he wants you to be. It takes patience. It takes the ability to ask for help. And then it also takes a trust in God. But David gives us this beautiful outline. I'm going to give it to you quick. You ready? Here it is. Write this down. Get your pen. Here's the work that God's willing to do in your growth season. David actually gives us a few plus two things. Ready? Normally when we give a number, I taught Libby the other day. She's like, I got 10 things I'm going to teach them on on, uh, Wednesday. I said, don't tell them you got 10. If you tell them you got 10, they tune you out before you get to one. All right? So I've got a few things plus two. I'll let you figure that out. Ready? All right. Number one, here it is. In verse number two, he lifted me out of the pit of despair God's going to do a work in your growth season. And let's be honest, it takes time. We said bad habits, easy to form, hard to live with. Good habits take time. And God's going to do some things. Number one thing that God needs to do for your testimony to be able to be seen, and we've been talking about the past two weeks, we've got to get the hurt, the guilt, and the shame off of you. That's what the despair is. Some people are so broken because of their moms, their dads. Some people are so broken because of their own actions. Some people are so broken because of the actions of others that they couldn't stand and testify about God because the pain that they carry is greater than the faith that they have. And if you think that I've perfected that, that is not true. There's a growth season going on in my life right now that literally I have found that I have to practice number two, be patient with God, but ask for help. And Saturday, Friday night at midnight, I was texting somebody trying to get help for a breakdown that I was having. Let me just say who it was. I was texting a restoration pastor and one of our elders, because my thing is this, he is teaching and called to helping people with their hangups. And as your senior pastor, I realize that sometimes I've got hangups and who am I to stand up here and say, you need to ask for help. You need to ask for help and then not be able to go to sleep because I'm not willing to ask for help. The truth is this, no matter where you get in your spiritual walk, you're going to come to a point that despair is your story. And if it's on your mind and you're broken today and you're down, you're sad, you're angry, you're mad, hey, you have a God that in your growth season is gonna get you out of that pit of despair. He's gonna raise you up. That's what He wants to do. By the way, write this down. You'll not grow keeping God in an area of your life without giving Him total control of your life. You'll not grow if you're not talking with God, walking with God. I'll be honest with you, you need God's people his word, and a communication line with him. Small groups are necessities. Life groups are necessities. Pick up the phone and call someone for help. The truth is, if you're drowning, I promise you wouldn't go down silent. You'd scream for your life with your very last breath. And there are too many people that emotionally, spiritually, mentally are dying while keeping their mouth shut. God wants to pull you out of this. God wants to raise you up. Your story shouldn't be that you lived your whole life completely depressed. God wants you to live with some joy, all right? Now, I'm not gonna preach a whole sermon on it, but joy comes from knowing who God is and knowing who, that God knows who you are and loves you anyway, loves you through anything. Faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. Why? Love bears all things, believes all things, hope for all things, and love endures all things. You know what? Your faith will die one day. When you go to heaven, you will no longer need faith. It'll be reality, all right? You'll no longer need hope. It'll be right there. But you know the one thing you'll still need in heaven? Love. You know what makes hell hell? The absence of love. And the truth is this. Out of everything you've ever needed in your life, love is the most important. That's 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to go check it for yourself. And some people say, well, I need love in my life, but then they isolate. You'll never find love in isolation, You'll never find love on a computer screen. You'll never find love on a website. You're saying, well, what about a dating site? Listen, all right. If all you did was sit on the dating site and never go on a date, you'll never find love. True or not? If all you're doing is watching pornography, you'll never find love. If all you're doing is, do they even do this anymore? Chat rooms, y'all remember that back in the day? And you're talking to people that you don't even know who you're talking to. You'll never find love. You know how you find love? Get out there. Put yourself out there. Well, the last time I put myself out there, somebody hurt me. Put yourself out there in the hands of God, not in your own works and your own abilities. Let God be the one that brings the people to you. I literally hugged somebody before church today, prayed with them. They told me a story going on in their life, a story of hurt and betrayal. And I grabbed them and I prayed with them and I told them this statement. I'm going to tell it to you. The only thing God required of Adam so that he could get Eve was for Adam to rest while God did the work on Eve. And all this time, we got this. I'm trying to teach this to our teenagers. I wish somebody had taught it to me. You do not have to find the love of your life. That's the whole Adam and Eve story. All you need is to know who God is and rest in God, trust God, and God will bring Eve from the back of the garden. The truth is this if you're seeking God, you'll find that person. If you're seeking God, you'll find those people. Now, not all of you need a husband and wife, you've already got one. Keep yourself where you are, stay in your lane. Not all of you need somebody to date, but some people just need friends. Anybody in here say, I could use some good godly friends. Stick your hand up in the air. Raise your hand. Hold it high. This is like friends harmony, whatever, in church. Raise raise it high. Look look around. Like three-fourths of our church needs friends. Make a friend before you leave today. We should charge $39.99 for that a month. (laughs) That's our That's our new friend site. Raise your hand again. How many of you need a friend? Look around, look around, look around, look around. He that has friends must first show themselves friendly. friendly. So before you leave, don't be the one that's like, well, I went to church and nobody talked to me. Here's why. You came in five minutes late and you left 30 seconds after. Am I right? It's like, I needed somebody to talk to me. You slipped out during invitation. Everybody's asking God to show them somebody and you're out the door. You say, well, nobody loves me. No, you're not putting yourself in a position to be loved. You say, but... I've been misused. Hey, God will never misuse you. I've been abused. God will never abuse you. God will pull you out of despair. But the truth is, God does not pull you out of despair for you to sit down and do nothing and to go hide and never be seen. He pulls you out to take you to the next step. Look at this. I love this whole passage. Ready? He lifted me out of my pit of despair. Here's number two, out of the mud and the mire. You know what the mud and the mire is? If, if despair is your hurts, if despair is your guilt, and despair is your shame, then the mud and the mire is the sin and the bad habits. All right? I'll be honest with you. The best cure for your bad habits is your relationship with God. The best cure for your bad habits is your relationship with God and then add a relationship with God's people. It's hard to be in bad habits when you realize you're always exposed. Does that make sense? How many of you have sinned at some point in your life in the last 30 days? This should be every hand. I'm just telling you that right now. All right. Ready? How many of you sinned? Th- All right. How many of you would love to, to show me what you did right now? No volunteers. You know, I bring you up here. Isn't it amazing that people who cuss every other word never do it in church? Which, you know what that shows me? You can change. Am I Right. People that they all they do is tell bad jokes and laugh at bad jokes, never do it at church. You know what that shows me? You can change. I don't see anybody with heroin being shot up right now. I don't see anybody with a blunt in their hand or or, or topping off the fifth of tequila. You say, oh, that's too direct. No, you know what you show me is when you're around people, you don't do it. Nobody's having their affair right now where you can see. Nobody's got pornography pulled up on their phone right now. You know why? Because you're exposed. The best thing you can do is never be in hiding. Because if you stand before God and you stand before others, it helps to keep you clean. You say, well, I I don't want to go to church today because no, 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 get your booty out of bed and you get in that car and you get there because there's something on your mind that doesn't need to be there and something Satan's trying to do that doesn't need to happen and there's one person that won't come to church because Jesus is there because there's too many people about Jesus there and that is Satan. He doesn't like the name of Jesus. So when we worship and we praise, the demons tremble. So get out of your closet and get around somebody today get in something today we need to understand that you don't heal alone sometimes you need to go to the hospital that was Robert that just laughed Kimberly's who I've been talking about some people need to stop going to the hospital am I right Robert what, Robert it's January February you've met your deductible celebrate that alright so here's the thing you got to understand, church, that God will not leave you where he finds you. Aren't you thankful for that? God's not the God that walks up and says, "Mm, I'll be praying for you. Call me if you ever need me. Well, what's your number? Oh, if the Holy Spirit will give it to you. That's not God. God says, okay, if you're going to be stuck here, me too. How long are we going to be here? Do you like it here? I don't like it here. But if you're going to be stuck here, me too. You got to imagine that as that prodigal was sitting in a pig swine, eating that nasty pig food that the Holy Spirit was sitting there saying, that stuff's nasty, ain't it? You remember that steak your dad made that one time? Oh, you remember? You remember that garlic bread? What about your mama's pasta sauce? Oh, that's good stuff. What are you eating? Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> what do you got to drink? Oh, that's nasty. Man, if you could just if you could just have those old days back, right? The days when you were back at home. You know what the guy's sitting there thinking? Man, my dad used to be good to me. I wonder if he'd take me back. Let's go find out. But we can't find out why we're stuck here. Let's get up and walk. You know what I love about the Bible verse? The Bible says, "When the father saw him a long way off." In other words, it's like this: God's been waiting for the moment that you go from this to this, and then He's willing to do the rest. When the father saw him a long way off, what did he do? He ran. Whew. There's an old uh, contemporary song right when contemporary music first got its hit called "When God Ran." I saw him run to me. He took me in his arm, held my head to his chest and said, my son has come hold again. He lifted me up, wiped the tears from my eyes. With forgiveness in his voice, I heard his love for me again. He ran to me. I'm going to tell you this right now. Many of you are being lied to by the enemy. And the enemy is saying, you're too broken, you're in despair. Or you're too messed up, you're in sin, that God won't use you. And God is simply saying, stand up and watch what I can do. I love it when they were walking to the temple that day and the guy's sitting there begging for money like he's done his whole life and he says give me money give me silver and gold. Peter looks at him and says silver and gold I do not have but what I do have I will give you. So in the name of Jesus Christ stand up and walk and then the next verse I say this all the time at Grace. The very next verse needs to be the anthem of the church and Peter reached out his hand and the guy grabbed his hand. The people that can't walk and haven't walked in a long time don't believe they can walk and they need a believer that by the grace of God would not be so arrogant to think that they know how to get up and instead say, hey, I don't have much. Anybody in here say, I don't have much. I don't have much. But I do have an abundance of God's grace. I do have an abundance of God's mercy. I am the worst of sinners, but I have found the best of saviors. So let me give you what I got. I got hope. I got joy. I got peace. I got a solution. In Jesus' name, you can get up. Let me help you. Let me help you. But you can't get to the help you season until you get to the grow season. Peter had to have an encounter with Jesus where Jesus took off the denial. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. You know why? I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Jesus already knew the answer, but Peter needed to know the calling. The same calling God had on Peter before the denial, of the cross was the same plan God had for Peter after the resurrection. And the only one that didn't know it was Peter. So God grew him. And you know what happened? Peter went out and where his shadow fell, people would be healed. They had to touch the hems of Jesus' garment. But when Peter walked down the road, they would line the streets and where his shadow would touch. You know what happens? When God grows you, he shows you. He uses you. We'll get to the go later. Number two, you find in the second part, number one, he'll he'll deliver you from what hurts, guilt, and shame. Get the shame off of you. Sin and bad habits, you can go free. Number two, it's in this verse, he says, he set my feet on solid ground. Number two, he'll give you a good belief foundation. Write this down. If you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. At some point, you're going to have to decide what you believe in. You say, well, I don't know what I believe in. Then, I'm studying all the religions. Great. At some point, pick one. You're saying, oh, you need to tell them they need Jesus. I have told them that. But what I believe will not save you. It will not change you. And it will not change what you do. It's got to be what you believe. Does that make sense? Jesus says, let me give you something to stand on. In 1 Peter 5, verse 10, he tells us that he picks us up. Ready? It says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, he'll restore. How many of you thank God for the restoration? Anybody else in here ever see those broke down cars at Jasper Jones and wonder why they keep them? Come on now. We have fields in America full of rusted out, beat up snake habitats. I talked to a guy that one time worked at one of those and he said, he worked at it in Texas. He said, when we went to a car to pull apart, we would take a sledgehammer and hit the car first. We would wait till we stopped hearing the movements so that the rattlesnakes could get out of the car and said, "Are you? have you lost your mind? No amount of money in the world is worth working with a rattlesnake. But they said we'd slam the car and then they would leave. You know what? I drive past that and I see broke down. Some people drive past that and they see value. You know what? They see what it could be after they get done restoring it when I see how broke down it is. And your life and my life in the eyes of God are a remodel waiting to happen. In the eyes of the world, you're junkyard material, right? So am I. But we have a restorer. It goes on, it says he'll restore, he'll support, he'll strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation All power to him forever. Some of us right now are so confused at what we need to do in life because we haven't set our minds on what we believe. Here it is, write it down. What you believe will inspire what you do. If you don't believe in it, you'll do nothing for it. All right, now I'm gonna meddle for a second, just a second, and I'm gonna get off of it. This is why the church needs to radically go find out what they believe about tithing, because I promise you the people that believe in tithing and God's principle are the ones seeing blessings come through their monetary and their financial standing. But people that don't believe in it hate when their churches talk about it. I'll tell you this right now the church doesn't talk about giving, this church doesn't. Look around you, we're not fancy. This is the fanciest shirt I've wore in a long time, and I totally regret it because it's like a sauna in here. The only good thing happening today is I am losing weight, all right? That's the thing. I understand this. Like, hey, you're not in a place that believes in what's fancy. If you drove your car in here, you drove over potholes. You're parked in a gravel parking lot that on a good day when it hasn't rained, we can spray paint to give you a parking space, all right? We're not the fanciest thing in the world. We're very blessed. And I thank God for what we have. And we have a beautiful auditorium. But the beauty of what happens at grace is not in the buildings you stand in. It's what happens in the lives of the people you encounter. And the truth is, and I want you to understand this, and I want you to get this very clearly in your life, that God is wanting to do a work in you to restore your life. But in order to do that, you got to believe that God actually wants to do it, believe that he can do it, and believe in what God wants to actually see as the finished result. If you don't believe he can, you'll never let him. If you don't believe that God could use you to reach a lost person, you'll never let him. If you don't believe that God's got a story in your life that he wants to use in the lives of others, you'll never let him. God wants to establish your mind, the way you do things, the skills of which, and the abilities that you use. Our belief systems affect everything in our lives. And without a belief system, you'll never stand for anything. I think Benjamin Franklin, who's probably not the the greatest Christian uh, quotation, because he wasn't one, said this, you better make sure when you plant your feet, that you're standing on something that can't fall out from underneath you. The world love is sex. But how many of you have found that sex doesn't equal love? How many of you have found that sex can hurt? Emotionally, mentally, spiritually. How many of you have found that the opinions of others will not sustain your confidence? But how many of you still just want to hear I'm proud of you from somebody? Yeah. The truth is, is if you truly believed that God has a value on your life, you wouldn't need other people's validation. If you truly believe that God has the love of your life, you wouldn't have to jump in bed with other people. If If we truly believed that God was going to take care of our needs, we'd have no problem doing exactly what God has called us to do. If we truly believe that God was our provider, I hate telling this story. God has made me tell it three times. So this has to be the last time. Last week when I was writing my tithe check, I sat in my truck and I started looking at my bills in my mind. And and, and as I was writing my tithes for my real estate, it was a larger check and I I was looking at it, not not extremely large, but it it was larger than my normal. How's that? And as I was writing that check, I started thinking to myself, I got to pay my bills this month God, you know I gotta pay my bills this month, and I'm gonna give this to you. But January is very slow, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to convince him of things he already knows. <laughs> and you know what God hit me with? This is very, as real and raw as I can get. I pay good money for a coach every month in real estate. I pay Zillow for leads, and I pay good money for Zillow. I pay um, Red X. Your real estate agent, you should be taking notes. I pay all these lead generation things, thousands of dollars a month. Thousands. My check that I was writing to the Lord didn't even come close to the checks that I wrote to those people this month. You following me? You know why I buy leads? Anybody in business know what leads are? Garrett, why do you need leads? Why do you need a lead to get the business? What does business bring you? A paycheck. And so I'm, I'm thinking Zillow and Red X and buy, uh, Z Buyer and all these things are going to be my provision. And I'm paying them thousands of dollars to be my provider. And here I am sitting in my truck, writing my check to the Lord. And you know what I heard in my mind as I was thinking? How could you really think they're your provider when I'm the one that's made all this happen? And you're willing to give them thousands, but not willing to give me a little. And I would sit there and my whole attitude changed in writing my check because I realized, why would I trust Zillow when I have a God that sits on the throne of the universe? You say, do you still pay for Zillow and all those other things? Yes. But why would I second guess giving to the Lord and more trust giving to the world when God is the one that has held my life together again and again and again? And beyond my finances, I have sinned greatly, yet God has held my family together. I have made major failures and mistakes in my life, yet God has kept my calling together. I am, in my own abilities, totally disqualified from being a husband, a preacher, a pastor, or anything. But God, in his ability, has made me what I don't deserve to be. Anybody else say me too to that? And why in the world would I trust everybody else and everything else when he is the only one that has ever held me together? He is the only one that has ever held me up. I need to know who I believe in. And I love what they say in the Bible. I know who I have believed in. That's how it starts when it says, and I am confident that he's able to keep the things that he's committed to me to the day of Jesus Christ's return. I know him. I know him. And I know that if he can save me, he can save you. I know that if I can still be a married man today to the same woman I betrayed and I hurt, then you can still have what Satan's trying to take from you too. Because there's a God more powerful than the enemy after you today. And the truth is, if I believe it, then I'm willing to take it on. We need a belief system. I got more, but the Holy Spirit just kind of hit me with a stop right there. If you want my notes, I'll give them to you. I've got the few more things. I gave you two. There was a total of five if you didn't put that together earlier. But I feel like maybe in this church today, no matter what I say from beyond this point, some of you will get nothing because you haven't decided who you believe in. We trust this part of God's word, but we don't trust this one. We believe when he says he'll never leave us or forsake us. But we don't believe when he says you need to forgive others just like you've been forgiven. We believe when he says that you can have salvation, but we don't believe when it's time to go into the jail and witness to the child molesters. We believe that that the person who's always been in church, been raised to dress right and do right, and and knows the word of God, deserves to be the pastor, but we don't believe when the sinner says that they've been called. We believe that this person should stay married, but this person shouldn't. You can't be stable in your life if you have part-time belief systems with God. At some point, you got to go all in or you got to get all out. Because in the middle, you're just going to live in chaos and it's not going to work out. Matter of fact, God even says the middle makes him sick. He'd rather you be hot or cold. James says a double-minded person is what? Unstable. The very next verse, it's literally where we were going next. In the end, it says, and he steadied me. In verse 2, he steadied me as I walk along. Literally, the next point was he brings Stability. And the truth in our life is in a growth season, we need stability. How many of you sometimes feel like you're an emotional train wreck waiting to happen? All right, that was a lot of amens. Maybe, maybe you did come to the hospital today, but we needed the psych word, where we got over here with the Holy Spirit and we let him make our minds up for us. Has anybody else in here chased what they thought was right only to find destruction in the end? The Bible says there's a way that seems right to him at the end. You know what we need to? We need to decide that we're not going to follow our hearts. That's the that's biggest lie that the devil can give you. Follow your heart. Write this. Best note you could take today. Your heart can be stupid. So can mine. Don't trust your feelings. Why? They lie. There's a way that seems right, but it's not. You know what that means to the teenager? There's a boy that seems perfect, but he ain't. There's a girl that seems perfect, but they ain't. There's a job that looks better than the job you have, but it ain't. It's good grammar for you today. There's things that are going to fill at times that you need to bell out to go. It's not, hey, 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 listen. At some point, we just need to say, I'm deciding to follow Jesus. No turning back. I'm deciding that I'm going to let him deliver me Because if God's going to use you, it's got to be his story, not yours. It's got to be his story, not mine. It can't be, well, I've always struggled with this. I'm proud of this teenager. I'm not going to call his name, but um, he's here today. Four years ago, I went to him because every time he told his testimony, it was the same thing. I'm I'm not even going to tell the testimony because I don't want you to figure it out. But it was always, I've been struggling with this and at this, I gave this up. Next year, it was the same thing. So the last time he gave that testimony, and it's the last time I've heard him say it, I pulled him over to the side and I said, I can't wait for the day that your testimony is not the same trap that you keep falling into, but instead it's where God's taken you beyond it. He said, that's mean. No, it's this reality of this. It's not a testimony if it keeps repeating. It's a test that you're failing. A testimony is... You know, I have been sober now. I had a guy tell me this just this week in a real estate office. I I, I opened up to him because he asked me, he said, give me your path to success. And I was like, I thought about this the other night, and I'm going to tell you this path to success is not, this is why they won't let me speak at real estate conventions. This is why they hate that I'm number one in my office. They don't like it. This is why they won't let me talk in front of people. You know why? Because my path to success isn't that I worked all the time, neglected all this, and didn't all do this. My path is, is I never sell real estate on Sundays, I, I, mornings. I don't work till 3 p.m. If I do work on a Sunday, I, I, I'm at church Monday night. I'm at church Wednesday night. I do office hours, and I do all these things. And I decided a long time ago that I wasn't going to, cheat God out of my calling to sell a house. And so I I do that. I don't work Thanksgiving. I don't work Christmas. The person that used to be the number one agent in our office stood in front of us this year and said, you got to be willing to work all the time. I answer the phone at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I got a phone call while my kids were, uh, my grandkids were unwrapping presents on Christmas and I went and showed a house. And I sat there and I said, that will not be me. I'll tell you this. You ready? Ready? Here it is. If you seek First, the kingdom of God and live right. He takes care of the rest. That's Matthew six thirty-three. in the next show. Seek first the kingdom, live right, and then all things will be added to you. Hey, you can work your entire life every single day as hard as you can and never make it as far as you would get if you would make your life totally surrendered to God in this moment. If you would simply say, I'm gonna keep you first no matter what. And I told him, I said, if you'll keep God first, be willing to work. I still work, and I work hard. Be willing to work. He'll do the rest. I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you need to grow. And growth starts with birth. If you've never given your heart to Christ, now is the time. You say, well, I I just don't know what I believe about God. Figure that out later. I'll tell you, until a seed is planted, it cannot grow. Until you are born again, you cannot live. You must be born again. Give your heart to Christ. You say, well, I am saved. All right, ready? Here it is. Give your actions to him. Give your allegiance to him. Give your obedience to him. It's not about, well, I got Jesus in my heart. It's now what are you doing? Are you just reading the word or are you actually trying to do what it says? I read Proverbs 29 last night and was so mad that I did it. I I was so angry because it it made me go back to a state of confession with God to where I had to get my heart right on some things because I spent all of yesterday angry, mad. And then it said, mockers can get a whole town agitated, but the wise will calm down anger. And I'm like, God, what are you trying to say about me? He's like, you're gonna mess people up. You're gonna go to the pulpit and mess people up if you don't get this out. Fools vent their anger. This is all Proverbs 29. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Like, why? Like, let me throw a fit. Like, let me have a moment. Heaven has to have a smash room somewhere I can go be the Hulk. You know, like let me get this out. And you know what the Bible says? No, no, no. Here's you know what the Bible's saying? If you bleed out, you'll bleed on. And if you bleed on, they'll get hurt too. And I am sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, how am I gonna preach tomorrow? And all of a sudden I decided to get on my Bible app and start a new devotional plan. How many of you have U version on your phone? If you don't, you should. U version. Y-O-U version. There's actually a kid's version of the Bible that you should put on their stuff too. Tells the stories. You know why you need it? Satan will definitely try to draw you to the wrong things on this. People's opinions, comparison, all that, even other stuff. Why not put something on there that can take you to the right thing? And as I was sitting there, I started this plan. And as I started this plan, it took me to this scripture, Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. And when I got to that scripture, I was like, I'm really mad at God because instead of God giving me a pacifier, He gave me a spanking. And He said, You need to believe. Anger comes from when you're trying to do what only God can do. Anxiety comes from when you're trying to hold a future that only God knows. Depression comes when you're holding on to a past that God has forgiven. He said, What's not my past? Oh, God's forgiven theirs too. Just because it's part of your story doesn't mean that they haven't got forgiven. How many of you understand this today? What you believe changes everything. If you believe you're gonna get a divorce, guess what you'll get? A divorce. As I sat with this man on um, Tuesday, and I told him that statement, he said, let me tell you something about me you don't know. And he went back 14 years of his life and started telling me all the mistakes and things that he had made. He told me about how he almost lost all these things, and that's his story to tell, not mine. And as I was listening, this is a man that I admire and I respect. And I literally, every time he came into a room, felt beneath him because I thought this was a guy who had always had integrity. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. And that's why God says, focus on yours, believe in God for you, not believe in what God's doing there and not comparing to what God's doing there. Believe in what God's doing for you because once you surrender to God in your life, then he establishes your belief system and it doesn't matter what's going on over here. And it doesn't matter what they have to say. You know who you are and whose you are and you can build from there. Some of us need a growth season. All of us need growth seasons. How many of you would say there's an area of your life right now that you might very well be in a growth season. Slip your hand up in the air. Raise it high. Let people see it. Anybody got a new relationship, friendship they're trying to form? Anybody got a new job? Anybody got a kid that, that used to love you and went to their bedroom, came out a totally different kid? Right? Yeah. Anybody going through a divorce? Anybody at the brink of bankruptcy? I'm being real right now. Anybody there? Anybody emotionally right now just feel depleted? Deflated? Anybody feel dirty? Like you just can't get this off of you? I literally sent a text message to Wade yesterday saying, will I always be garbage to those people? You know what his reply was? Why not focus on the people God's given you? Instead of the ones that walked out, you know what my reply was? Nothing. I didn't even text him back, because between Proverbs 29 and Wade, I had nothing left to fight with. The best place you could ever get in your life is the place that you stop doing the fighting, and you start believing in Exodus 14:14, 14, 14, "The Lord will fight for you and you will hold." your peace. God's got your loved one. God's got that addiction. God's got that affliction. God's got that hurt. But do you, do you truly believe today that God's got you? Have you totally surrendered? Because until a church does, forget about the community. They will never come to a God we haven't surrendered to. And they'll never believe in a God we don't stand on. They'll never believe in a God we don't reflect And we need a generation that says, I know what I believe. I may not know how to believe it perfectly, and I may not know everything about it, and that's why I study, and I go to small group, and I'm going to church, and I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm getting devotionals. That's why I'm doing those things. But I believe that he is God, and I believe that he is in control, and I believe he created it all. I believe he'll end it all. And so if he created it, if he's the start, the alpha, if he's the omega, the end, then he's everything in between, and I will choose to believe in him. So bow your heads, close your eyes, and nobody look around. Do you have salvation in your heart today? Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Because if we're gonna go tell the world about him, we gotta have him. How many of you have a testimony you know The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that he's the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. How many of you know that there's been a confession of him as Lord of your life? There's a belief in your heart that he's the son of God, died for your sins and raised again. You've openly declared that. How many of you today have a testimony of salvation saying, I know that I am a child of God? Would you slip a hand up in the air? I always say this when we do this, because maybe you didn't do this any other time this week. If the hands in the air send a praise up there too, tell God, thank you. Because most of us, if not all, do not deserve it, right? Is there anybody here today? Right there where you sit. You don't need to come to an altar. You don't need a microphone. This doesn't need to be a kumbaya moment. This isn't a moment that we're going to put in our book and say, here's another number. Hey, your decision to serve God, your decision to believe in God is a personal one. And at some point of your life, you've got to have an impersonal encounter with Jesus. It can't be because you went to a certain church or you got baptized when you were a baby. It cannot be that you did this or did that or somebody told you you were. Your salvation is based on your commitment and your surrender to God on a personal level. And if today you've never declared him as Lord of your life, I'll tell you this right now. He wants to be, he wants to be savior where he comes in and takes away the sin and Lord where he leads, guides, and directs. And if you have never said and given him your heart right here where you sit, do you believe that he is the son of God? If you do, everybody, if you do say yes. All right. Do you believe that he died for you? Do you believe that he is alive because he rose three days later? All right. Then make it known. Confess him, Lord. Surrender life. And if you've never done that, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer because my words will not save you. There's not specific words that'll save you. There's just simply something you need to tell God. You need to either, hey, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, or God, I give my heart to you, I accept your salvation. Whatever it is right now, if you believe he's the son of God, believe he died for you and believe he rose again, then right now receive his salvation. The Bible says in Romans ten thirteen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved not the perfect, not the clean, not the, not the person who's never had a mistake or the person who's gotten their life cleaned up. No, no. It's like this. Why would you wash your hands in the sink right before you take a shower? And some people say, well, I need to get this out of my life and then I'll come to God. No, just get in the shower. All right, just, just get to Jesus. Let him wash you. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Hey, it's not about what you can get cleaned up. It's about what God can do through the fountain of Jesus Christ in your life. Get to the flow of Jesus and know that he can help you. Get over every addiction, every sin, every hardship you've got in your life. He will give you strength. He'll grow you out of it. But at some point, you just gotta get cleaned And so is there anybody here today that says, this will be my salvation moment? Today, I establish my belief system in the fact that I am declaring, I'm accepting Christ as my savior, and I am now a child of God. If you've never done that today, is there anybody here that would raise a hand saying, hey, Jesus, I'm making you Lord of my life. Is anybody here that would want to make that decision today? Slip your hand in the air. Okay, there's one. Anybody else? Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm going to ask this, and this is a very serious question. How many of you have questions about salvation? Okay, keep that hand in the air. You got questions about salvation? All right, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. When are you going to ask them? So today, as we dismiss, I want you to find somebody and let's talk. Let's celebrate the one that just gave their heart to Jesus Christ today. Stand with me, grab somebody's hand. All right, stand up, stand up. Today, we're doing something a little bit unique and then we're, we're letting you out the door. Underneath your seat is an envelope, okay? Every seat has an envelope underneath it. We're asking you to plant a seed into our youth conference. Now, there's different ways you can do this, but we're asking everybody to participate. Number one, if you could plant a $40 seed, that would cover the kids that cannot afford to go. Right now, I think we're sitting close to 80 total that we're taking to this conference. But it does not have to be a financial seed. The reason we say a seed is it, it will bring a return. But what we do want you to do, if you can't do a financial seed, which would be greatly appreciated, can you write a note to the 16-year-old version of you? What did you need to hear when you were 13, 14 that nobody told you? What, what, what two sentences could you write that if you'd have got these when you were younger, it would have radically changed your life? And can you put them on that paper? And can you drop them in the buckets? There'll be teenagers outside these doors. Now, these aren't your ushers, so be nicer to them than you are the ushers, all right? There'll be teenagers outside these doors. There'll be teenagers outside these doors. What you write on these notes, so don't be in a hurry to leave. What you write on them, we're going to take, we're going to convert it to sticky notes, and we're going to stick it all throughout the cabin of where we're having our thing. So that where they turn around, you never know what God's going to use. All right, so if you've got a verse, your go-to verse, put it on the envelope. The truth is, is if you today could make a $40 or a $10 or a $5 or a $2 gift, we can more than likely pay all the sponsorship we need, and half the teenagers that are going need sponsors. Um, Some of you have already done that, and we're thankful for it, Um, but if you can, just pray over it and do this. I know it would be greatly appreciated, and there will be great rewards in heaven for even the notes that you write today. Don't just throw this away. Please write something on the paper. Even if it is, listen to your parents. Put it on the paper. How many of you wish you would have listened to your parents? Am I in here? Yeah. Or grandma grandpa? Yeah. All right. Even if it's, hey, never stop believing in what God can do in your life. It's never too late to turn around. How about that one? God, you're never too far gone that God can't get you. The last time we had a youth conference in the cabin, there was about an hour of that conference that the Holy Spirit literally broke out, and we went to war. It wasn't this, where were you at? You were there. Andre, were you, where are you at, buddy? You were. There. Uh, David, you were there. Uh, Tim, Jessica, y'all were there. We went to war. We, we literally, I don't, I don't even say it. Some people don't believe it. We fought demons in that place. and We saw deliverance. That's as far as I'm going to go with it. You never know what could happen in the heart of one person, but that note could make all the difference in the world. All right. Would you grab somebody's hand? Let's close in a word of prayer. We're very thankful for you. Let's be lifting one another up today. I, I, I mean it when I say this. If you want my notes, if you don't mind misspelled words and multiple colors on a page, all right, um, then let me know and we will text them or email them out to you. There's three more things that if God doesn't bring it back to us next week that I really do believe David teaches us in chapter number 40 that will really radically help you in a grow season because a grow season is a slow season, so it's good to know. What area may God be working at in your life? You know, maybe you're strong in your belief system and maybe you're strong, you're not held back by your past anymore, but are you stable? Can people depend on you? Are you consistent? You know, like, is your yes actually a yes and your no actually a no? Do you show up when you sign up? Do you, do you follow through? I mean, where are you at? I don't know about you, but there's areas of my spiritual walk that I'm like, thank you, God, for where you've brought me. But there's other areas where I'm like, God, you've got to work to do. Show me. Anybody else like that? All right, so let's grow together. All right, so in a moment, you're going to be dismissed. Make sure you drop those envelopes in those buckets. Even if you don't write anything on them or put anything in them, help our custodian and drop the envelope in the bucket. All right, good deal. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you for the day. We thank you for who you are. And I pray that today this fell on somebody's heart and somebody's mind. We celebrate the decision that was made to give their heart to you. God, there were multiple here with questions. So I pray that today will be a day that they take their eternity seriously and they ask the questions that are on their heart. God, I pray that you'll help us not to be in a hurry, not to be in a hurry to grow in our lives, not to be in a hurry to go when we're around other believers. Give us a desire to be used by you. And I pray that you will raise Grace Community Church to not be a church that draws people in, but instead a church that takes people to you. May we see people saved in workplaces and in school in communities and neighborhoods this week as a result of the surrender and as a result of what we allow you to do in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.